All right, welcome to Old School. Jank Uger, Steve O, Dave Kohler, a pretty old school crew here. It's pretty uh, old school. Yeah, it's old school in two different ways. Um, uh, Dave and I uh, started the company with uh, Ben, so he's as old school as it gets. Uh, and uh, and Dave, Steve, and I all grew up together in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Okay, East so, Brunswick. Yeah, that's right. Um, so. Uh, Obviously brought to you by shoptyt.com, you can get this, you can get the Batman thing, I always forget. Okay, there you go, all right, let's move on. So lots of fun topics, I've had a lot of Larry David moments over the last couple of weeks that I've been saving up for old school. So I'm coming out of a weed shop, I'm going right in, I'm diving in, okay? Now in LA, you have to understand the weed shops have now become like grocery stores, and so if you, now this the country is so bifurcated on this issue that if you live in a place where it has not been legalized yet, like if you came to LA and you went into a place where you buy marijuana, you'd be like, like what is this is crazy. There's like people of all different ages and there's a little old lady buying weed. It feel, looks like pretty much like Trader Joe's, right? And so or Whole Foods or something. And no like I, my point is a really funny one, which is everyone is calm. Like we've moved, like, and so what do I mean by calm? Nobody's like has furtive looks anymore, right? As they're entering the store, if they're in this, like, oh, sick, they don't, am I gonna get caught? Am I gonna get caught, right? Uh, like, uh, it, like Times Square in the 1980s uh, with porn shops. I didn't say anything, what? I just hear that about, you know, a friend told me about it. Uh, anyway, um, by the way, if you ever don't, Want to give away that you're doing something wrong? Don't do this. Look, okay. The minute you do that, everyone knows you're about to do something wrong. Anyway, but that's the story's not about that. It's when I come out and a guy wants to take a picture. He sees me in the parking lot. And he's like, "Hey, Jank," and he says, "Jank," not Young Turks, not that dude on YouTube, mm-hmm. not Chank, not Sank, not Jenks. Okay, so he gets the name right, Jank, and and but. He's got crazy eyes. And like I could tell, I think nine out of 10 times when someone's on my side, not on my side. A lot of people who are not on my side want to take pictures anyway. God bless. I don't, that's good. I don't care. Right. And, and, and they'll usually say at some point, and they'll be like, you know, I don't agree with everything you say, or, or they'll flat out say, I don't agree with anything you say. Ah, come on, let's take a picture. Right. <laughs> but great. No problem at all. Okay. That's much better than, the guy at the airport who was walking by, you guys remember this? He's, I see him, he's got crazy eyes, he's headed towards me. This is about, a, I don't know, a year, year and a half ago or something. And he's like, and he's twitching, like he's twitching like, oh, and I know what he's thinking, I swear to God. All on facial expressions, he's thinking, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? I hate this guy, what am I gonna say? And he's coming at me like this, and then he can't make up his mind. And right as he's about to pass me, he goes, <laughs> Didn't hear this story. No, I never heard this story before. Yeah, no. yeah. And like in front of the, everybody at the airport, everyone's like, "What on God's green earth?" Right? And I'm laughing, and he just walks by. He's like, <laughs> "He figured it out what to say." All right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So in New York, it happens a lot because it's so crowded. So right. you, you get recognized more because there's just so much, so many more people. And since it's in New York, they also feel like they can say anything. So they've. Like I think I've even heard like, "Hey, yogurt, suck it!" <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a 
My Uger, Jesus, man, you got really got to know the show to know yeah. Uger. All right, so so you have a lot of fan interaction. Uh, I, I have very little, but almost actually one hundred percent of my interactions have been positive. I've never had TYT haters say anything to me. Mm -hmm. But um, just this past weekend, I did a little mini guys trip up to uh, Seattle with my law school friends, and I was recognized three times. But they're all like very nice. You know, one guy was like, "Steve, oh, you rock," and my friends mm -hmm. are. Just blown away by this, right? Yeah. They're like, what? What is happening? Um, but I'm curious, like, the people who love you, of course, I've seen all iterations of that. But people who hate you or hate the Young Turks, other than just like a walk by, you know, uh, outburst, have you had any like interesting interactions? I mean, where they say, I hate you because X, Y, and Z? Was there any kind of discourse? Yeah. No, and then there is so, there was actually this story I'm about to tell yeah. in front of the weed shop. It's probably the longest interaction, huh. and so and maybe the most interesting, but it's gonna take a turn, <laughs> okay? Huh. So, uh, but no, like it's usually shouting. Mm -hmm. uh, like again, another place where I was crowded. It was in New Orleans during Mardi Gras, right up to the lead up of Mardi Gras because I was there for a Money Out of Politics conference, and some guy that's one of my favorite of all time too. When he's like, uh, "What do you, oh Ben Shapiro ate your ass." <laughs> it's like, does that help that, Ben Shapiro? <laughs> yeah, that is. I don't think you quite meant it that way. <laughs> but okay, if that's something that you know gets you interested. <laughs> anyway. A Freudian slip there. Yeah. Um, so uh, and sometimes somebody like I'll be at a um, you know a fast food place or whatever. So we'll have on in line. So we'll have a little bit longer to talk. And somebody will say, look, I really disagree with a lot of what you say on X, Y, or Z. But it really hasn't gone that in depth. Mm -hmm. So this guy in front of the pot shop, he's like, so he's like, hey, Jank, uh, that's you, right? And I said, yeah. And then, but and he's like, his eyes are twitching a little bit. And I'm like, uh oh. Wait, is it twitching because uh -huh. he's high? Because he's like super <laughs> excited. He's a weird dude. Like, what's going nah, on? Nah, he's he's got crazy eyes. He's a little weird. Well, okay. People who are against, uh, oppose you, and then there's people who want to cause trouble. Are you worried that he wants to cause trouble? So I don't know what he's up to so far, and all I have is a hunch because he knows my name. That 95 out of 100 times means he's a, a, a fan, a viewer who likes yeah. the show, right? Because the haters, you know, they're less likely to know that it's pronounced jank, etc. Right? So anyway, um, he says. Um, Hey, were you just buying weed? And I was like, yeah, that's why I'm in front of the weed shop. <laughs> but anyway, he said it in like kind of like a like I, I kind of caught you kind of uh, tone of voice. And I was like, like I'm buying for my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have to tell him I'm buying. Guess who I bought for me? Okay, I'm my friend. Yeah, my I, every time I think of Jimmy Dore's line. So Jimmy, back when we had medical cannabis in in L.A., but not not recreational. Yeah. Uh, people, he said, people come up to Jimmy and say, "Why well, aren't you worried about getting on? You know, doing the medical cannabis because then you are on a list." He's like, "Yeah, a list of people who could buy weed." <laughs> 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 and so, um, I literally thought of that line as the guy is asking me, uh, and then he says, "You want to take a picture?" Okay, good, no problem so far. Okay, I got two hunches: the eyes and the. Like kind of caught you way of phrasing the where you're buying weed, but he goes to take out a, a phone and the phone is like super old school. It's from like it's an i like the original iPhone or something, right? 
And I'm like, I don't know why I thought that was a hunch. It doesn't mean anything, right? But I was like, yeah, hunch number three. Yeah, three red flags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, look, guys, again, I, it's totally unfair. I, there's, you can just have an old phone, right? But I don't know. Anyway, so um, then finally he gets to it. He's like, so Jake, what do you think of Sandy Hook? Oh, I was like, geez. oh, here we go. Okay. Um, I was like, what is there to think? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He's like, come on, what do you think? And I was like, I think a lot of kids got killed and it was terrible. Uh, and he's like, he's like, how do you know? I'm like, okay, I'm like, dude, I gotta go. I gotta right. be careful not to get sued. Yeah, he better be over. That's right. Like, how do you? I can't have that conversation. You can't, right? Because what are you supposed to say? How are you supposed to disprove? That they weren't that crisis didn't actors, happen. and yeah. that it didn't happen. I mean, what a preposterous conversation to have, right? And but you know, that's the thing about conspiracy theories is that there's that's part of why they're so self-reinforcing because people don't want to have that conversation. Because what do you like? What do you want me to say? The kids died. Stop it. Leave them alone, right? And they're like, oh, but how do you know? Where's your evidence? Like, dude, I'm not walking around with evidence of like dead kids in my back pocket. The evidence was, it was all over TV, it was on every newspaper, every single reporter in the country that went and took pictures of the dead bodies, okay, et cetera, et cetera, right? But you don't wanna get into that conversation, so you leave, and then they think, see? Got him. Got him, he, he didn't have any proof, <laughs> aha! Yeah, right? so, so that's the problem, right? Look, in society in general, there is an issue of mental illness. Certain percentage of people are just crazy. They're crazy, right? Mm -hmm. And it manifests in different ways. Sometimes they're functional crazy people. They're like, you know, just like me and you, they work in a regular job, uh, but, uh, but they believe in absurd crazy things or they have weird, crazy, dangerous you know, desires, whatever it may be, right? But now uh, a lot of these crazies can find their little groups online and validate each other's, each other's crazy and, and think that they're not crazy at all. The other people who don't share the belief that they're the crazy ones. 100%. So it's, it's nuts. So, what uh, the online uh, world did not create crazy people, of course. They uh, just found each other and they're like, great, I'm not the, I'm not uh, the crazy one. 100%. What it, what it did is it allowed them to have a community. Yes. And, and that community is also self reinforcing. So, I, Dave, I don't know if you remember, but one of the Turkish moms uh, from when we were growing up mm -hmm. uh, thought uh, that. Uh, OJ was definitely innocent. Okay, she was convinced that it was a conspiracy against OJ. Right now, the jury also thought that, so I guess it wasn't as crazy, right? But well, most, they found him not guilty, uh, not that he's innocent. That's right, all right, anyway. right. And so, and and you know, we were all outraged by it at the time. I'm outraged by it at the time. I now understand it way better. The skepticism that that jury had on a macro sense, if even if inappropriate for that particular case. Um, but she didn't know any of that. She didn't know anything about the African American community or anything like that. She's a little old Turkish mom, and but she was convinced. No, it's definitely a conspiracy, and um, and so they always existed. But today, she would find a little community, yes, online, so, and they would encourage each other. Yeah. So before the internet, if you had weird, crazy thoughts, maybe kept that your whole life, or you're disabused of those thoughts by other people who are like, what? No. And then you explain, you're like, wait a second. And then you, you start to maybe adopt the views of your community, which in that instance isn't an online community, it's an actual community, you know, a physical community of your neighbors, friends, whatever it may be. 
Um, so you, you're less likely to hold on to it. But now it's the opposite, where you find this community and they reinforce it, and it gets worse and worse. Now to the OJ thing, um, it's, a, it's a little tangent on OJ. And I'll come back, there's <laughs> yeah. actually a little bit of an ending to the, yeah. the Sandy Hill. So story. my daughter, who's 13, says, Dad, have you ever heard of this guy named O.J. Simpson? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm your doors. That's now the youngest of three. The youngest one. Wow. Yeah. So okay. She goes, Dad, he is so bad. Like, yeah, yeah, he is. Right. Because she started watching the O.J. Simpson documentary with my other, my, my oldest daughter, and they were just riveted. So I started Which, watching. like an actual documentary or the People vs. O.J. Simpson? The People vs. O.J. Simpson. On FX. On FX. Yeah. That's the one where, with John Travolta. Yes, yeah. that's yeah, that's not yeah. really a documentary. Right, but docudrama, yeah. right? Uh-huh. So I started watching it with them, and I hadn't watched any of the O.J. Simpson do- documentaries. Now, um, I remember, very, of course, O.J. Simpson happened when we were um, you know, in law school. Yeah. It was like a big freaking deal, so we're on top of all the, the day-to-day news. But I had forgotten a lot of it, and maybe I wasn't following the case as closely as I thought I was. But it was incredible watching this docudrama. And now I totally, totally, totally get why the jury found him not guilty. I don't, I don't even think it's unreasonable for them to think that way. In mm-hmm. fact, it's totally reasonable. So they have Mark Furman, who was just the most hideous racist. It's unbelievable. It's, it's actually jarring to hear the words that he's using. And we have a different sensibility today than we had back then. But just the N-word over and over. And, and they're reading from a transcript uh, that uh, he, some police report, something that he had written, where he talks about, you know, this place stinks of, you know, dead N-words. And yeah, we sometimes we beat the shit out of them. We bloody them up. And uh, all we have to do is just wash our hands because our dark police uniforms, you can't see the blood. But, you know, uh, we, just, we just beat the crap out of them until we get a confession. That's how police work is done. So like that kind of testimony is read in, and then um, and then when he's in front of the, uh, the, of the jury, uh, he's stonewalling because he doesn't want uh, the uh, the defense to get into all of his uh, all the bad things he's done. So every, to every question, he's you know um, uh, he's his response is you know I choose to plead the fifth, right? Mm-hmm. And the prosecution is getting kind of antsy and they're getting annoyed and they're saying, come on, okay, he's he's not going to answer, so let's just move on, let's just get him off the thing. And then Johnny Cochran says, hold on, just one more question. Did you frame uh, the defendant in this case? He didn't say it. It, it, it was, anyway, he's like, I, I plead the fifth. Oh, boom, boom. right? Reasonable doubt. So reasonable doubt right there. And the reason why, even if he didn't frame him, the reason why he doesn't want to say it is that if he puts that into an issue, like does he frame people? Well, that opens a door to all the past times that he did frame people, which he clearly did, right? Yeah. So the, the, that's why the jury's like, okay, it's not guilty. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll say one thing about that, and then two things about the fallout. Um, yeah. I, now knowing, and this is part of my overall education. Back, remember '91. I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a Republican, right? Yeah. And, and uh, we were mainly outraged. I think you and I were watching it together at, at my apartment in New York. I think. Because they uh, uh, superseded the Knicks game, uh, playoff game. The, uh, that's the, Bronco the day chase? of the, yeah, the chase. The the chase. Yeah, yeah, the Bronco chase. Yeah, yeah, we were watching that together. Yeah, well, was, was it, I think it was a championship. Um, yeah. yeah, right? It wasn't a championship, it was a, it was a Eastern Conference, Conference Finals, Finals. Uh, Bulls-Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, that's even worse, Bulls-Knicks. That was a real championship. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Hey, was it Rockets-Knicks? Rockets-Knicks. 
Oh, no, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think right. I think, I think it was. See, Craig is always right. This Craig's guy, always right. He's always Hashtag right. Craig's always right. Uh, so uh, no, seriously, I did not at that time understand to what degree the African American community in this country had been beaten down by the police. Yeah, systematically, systemically, for literally hundreds of years. Basically, every black person living in South LA knew someone personally. If not himself or herself, that was harassed or beaten or somehow uh, treated badly by the police. Yeah, so and for I'm, them to believe that, and Mark Furman has said that he hates seeing black dudes with white women, and if he ever saw one in a car together, he'd just pull them over for no reason and give him a ticket, right? Yeah. So, um, so back then, as a as a non-black kid who had grown up in an, you know. Upper middle class suburb, basically white privilege. Right? Yeah, I had no idea that the cops were the bad guys, yeah. um, and so they're not all bad guys now. But as we've seen, a lot of them are. Yeah, and and it's and you, they, maybe they're not bad guys to you if you're white or more importantly or equally importantly rich, right? Um, but as you know, Johnny Cochran experienced, and you see it in that docudrama. Being rich didn't help him either. That's uh, right. And he'd get pulled over in Westwood. He'd get pulled over in Beverly Hills, uh, even though he was a very successful and wealthy attorney, etc. So anyway, uh, and my education through all those years is, oh my God, it's way million times worse than I realized. Mm. And hence, then empathizing with that jury. Wait a minute, they didn't have my perspective at all. They had their perspective, which is what Steve said. Yeah. Every, they knew, every one of them knew someone who had been beaten up by the cops or framed by the cops, etc. Within their context, a black man being set up by the cops is like literally the most normal thing they could imagine. That's the yeah. default. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so, now in that case, it was more unlikely because of, ironically, because of how famous OJ was. Yes. That makes it far less likely that they would have the chutzpah to try to frame a guy with that level of power, or wealth, and fame. Um, or you could flip the other way, and the narrative could be, well, they just didn't want a black man to be that powerful, that famous, and have that much access to. Yeah, white but women. what do they do? Therefore, we must take him down, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so they killed Nicole Simpson, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it's unlikely yeah. to say the least. Um, and and OJ's a really bad guy. He um, is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, now the two interesting fallouts is first of all, Steve O's a cop, okay, like Kamala Harris. So be careful, he's infiltrating. That's right. You because you I put were, a lot of bad people away. Because <laughs> you were a prosecutor in LA. I was a prosecutor for ten months. Oh, uh, sure. uh, two, I think two of those months I was in training, and then <laughs> I was out. For, for like did you work months. on the OJ kit? I did not, uh, but but I was in the prosecutor's office in 1999, and that was on the heels of the OJ case, and every single thing that we did. Was impacted by the O.J. Simpson trial, like mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, How that, so? that loss was just a bone-crushing loss for the for the DA's office. Gil Garcetti, who hired me, uh, he's the father of Eric Garcetti, the current mayor. Uh, I mean, he was voted out. Uh, he lost to Steve Cooley because of that. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the main things was uh, apparently O.J. Simpson had beaten Nicole multiple times before he. Allegedly killed her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll okay, say yeah. that. Uh, and the cops are called out there multiple times, and they just said, "Oh, it's OJ. He's, he's a nice guy. He's got a nice smile. He's in those Naked Gun movies. He's not a bad guy. Eh, just let it go. Let it go." So they let uh, you know this domestic violence um, 
issue just kind of swept under the rug. After O.J. Simpson, uh, the DA's office had pretty much a zero tolerance policy. Like, uh, mm -hmm. it's better for us to just try the matter, even if we're going to lose the trial. And then, and then, because we don't want, the last thing the DA's office wants is for the DA to be soft on a guy who beats his wife, and then later that guy kills his wife, mm -hmm. right? So, so if we do a trial and we lose, well, it's a stupid jury's fault. It's not our, we, we, we did the best we could, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but if we don't even try him, then it's our fault for not bringing him to justice earlier to prevent that matter. So we had so many domestic violence cases that we had to try them. And um, look, I mean, as you know, whenever you have a zero tolerance policy towards anything, it leads to stupid and perverse results. So we had those issues. Yeah, so the pendulum always swings too far in the other Correct. direction. Yeah. You got yeah. the prosecutor's office in LA should have prosecuted way more domestic violence right. uh, cases, but not earlier, every single one of them. But right? not, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. So. Dave, before I continue with Steve being a cop, <laughs> so you were a liberal all the way back then. This is one of your favorite topics right. back when I was a Republican. So, what was your impression of the OJ trial? Well, I did read about it and I understood and learned about the feelings of the black community. So, I wasn't that surprised or outraged at the jury verdict. And I also understood it's a jury verdict, it's not truth. We all know what the truth is. Definitely killed it, which makes the case maybe more interesting because is the jury supposed to get the truth or is it supposed to play a role in society? Yeah, and, and that really kind of goes to the old adage, one of the best quotes ever, I think it's from Martin Luther King, that injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. So you have all this injustices with cops being, you know, behaving badly, and then you have OJ behaving badly, and, and OJ. Uh, is a beneficiary of the bad behavior of the cops, mm -hmm. right? But you know what? So, so I, I don't want the Goldmans to take this the wrong way. Now yeah. OJ's uh, attorneys apparently harassing one of the Goldmans. Like, dude, let it go, Jesus Christ, right? Mm -hmm. um, but an interesting argument could be made that that what the jury did that day was is partly how the system's supposed to work, where it's a jury nullification in a in a sense. Where they go, oh, we know what happened, but we're going to vote not guilty to send a message. I and don't think that's what happened, but yes. Yeah, look, it's I don't think so either. I think they yeah. genuinely thought that yeah. they, they had reasonable doubt, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but the reason we have juries and not judges is because sometimes the citizens are supposed to rise up and go, enough. No, mm -hmm. we just say no. Yeah. And and, uh, and so in a sense, they did that whether they intended it or not. Mm -hmm. And they certainly didn't intend to have national and international ramifications. It, but that's partly how it's supposed to work too. A jury of your peers going, no, not buying what right. the government's and, selling. And, and again, and, and I would argue that this, that this is further injustice to the Goldman's, right? Yes, so, of course. So there's, there's injustice all around, all around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what it did do was it did send a shockwave that was both counterproductive and productive. Counterproductive because white people did not react well, right? They were like, oh, what the f right? It was an amazing response, I'll never forget. So, I, so this verdict came down, I believe in September of 95, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, I was, uh, I just started my job, my first real job uh, at a law firm in New York City. And word got out that the verdict was coming down. So everyone went into the conference room and the TV was on. And when the verdict was read, I've never seen such a disparate reaction by different races. So almost all the attorneys were white. Um, and 
most of the staff, like the copy room people and secretaries and a few others, most of them were people of color. And one side of the room completely cheered. The other side of the room was just disgusted, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I was just looking at the two sides. I was like, oh, my God. And here's an Asian yeah. man caught in the middle. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, but the second thing that happened, in a sense, and this was more drawn out. It wasn't immediate. But it did you know, begin a very long conversation about, well, wait a minute. Are we living in two different worlds here? Right? Yeah. Uh, are, because white people couldn't believe what black people believed about cops. It's two totally different realities, right? Right. And so on that day and for a long time, it's not like that immediately settled in. They were like, wait a minute, I think black people might have a point, yeah. right? Like maybe the cops are unfair to them. And look, but over the long run, it at least began that conversation, which is now still not concluded in 20 right. F and 19. So, but we're, we're getting closer and closer. Yeah, so I don't even blame the white people for, for having that reaction because in their reality, cops are super helpful. You know, mm-hmm. they prevent crime. If your car breaks down, they help you. If you're lost, they'll tell, they'll tell you which way to go. Uh, I mean, you know, in East Brunswick, the way we grew up, cops are great. You know, mm-hmm. I, I grew up with a very positive uh, set of interactions with cops. Even to this day, I have positive ones. You know, mm-hmm. I was pulled over for going 85 miles an hour in a 65 mile an hour zone in Arizona on my recent vacation. The next thing you know, I'm chatting with the cop, we're shaking hands. And we're laughing, and I don't get a ticket. And my kids are outraged, actually. They're like, you should have gotten a ticket. I don't know why I didn't get a ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Your kids are a little too square. <laughs> no, they're, they're such rule followers. <laughs> they're, they're, they love rules, they like to follow the rules, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a wonder they're progressive. <laughs> it sounds like a centrist Democrat waiting to happen. <laughs> but, but, but you know what, Like, so for every OJ, we have the Central Park Five. Right. Yeah. I would argue many more Central Park. Many laws. more. Yeah. Many, many more. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I just started watching that documentary, and it's it's gut wrenching because uh, you know growing up in East Brunswick in the shadows of New York, when that case went down, that was on every single newspaper for months, every single newscast, and you know, like looking back, I feel awful because I was part of the problem. I yep. totally bought the narrative uncritically. That there are pack of packs of black kids running around the, the city, murdering and raping white people, and is super dangerous, right? This whole notion of wild you know, wilding and super predators—it was basically the worst of every racial trope you can imagine, and all of us just accepted it. I mean, we, we just—we never questioned it. We're like, yeah, of course these five guys did it. Yeah, and so I totally agree with you that you were wrong. <laughs> On the okay. Central Park Five, I also was wrong in a rare, except rare case in those. Oh well, I didn't make any deeper inquiry into. I also accepted. Yeah, so actually, I was going to get back to you, Dave, on on your view of cops because you're. Generally, a white kid growing up in a nice suburb. Back then, you were even blonde. Mm-hmm. So, and but you're, you know, a huge liberal or however you want to describe it, right? So, what was you're your not view a of cops? Liberal, are you? <laughs> classic. Well, <laughs> no, no. Every John Stuart Mill before I go to bed every night, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> well, oh, the dial of ideas just got turned to hot. Um, Okay. Anyway, so uh, what was your view of cops back then, growing up? Yeah, 
a nuanced mixed view. They're generally good for society, but they abuse power all the time. With race, racial disparities, racial issues. So you and also that in high school? Yeah, not from my own experience though, from reading. About what's oh, going on in the world. Reading. You know? I knew I was doing something wrong when I was a kid. <laughs> and I wasn't reading. And there's a police <laughs> element to the OJ Simpson and to the LAPD that has not that has or less to do with race. Just the the police department in LA was just not properly functioning for decades, forever, for its entire existence, and it continued beyond the OJ case with that giant rampart scandal. Where they yeah, were planting evidence. Well, Finally, now it's it's a more reformed, reasonable police department. Actually, so they were in a so there's two different problems and probably very interrelated in the LA police. One is that they were basically a criminal enterprise for a long time. They were the largest gang in LA, and so for time immemorial, LA's cops were crooked. And so they'd beat up the criminals and take their territory and mm-hmm. take their stuff, etc. Uh, but the, they also had brought in cops from Alabama and the South. And so they were deeply racist uh, when they got here. And they settled in Orange County as part of the reason yeah. why Orange County was Republican back in the day in Simi Valley, etc. Yeah. And that's where Mark Firm is from. And so you had this basically foreign occupation force in LA from the deep South who is both racist and criminal. There, there are also right. other structural problems. So, and one of the reasons why I was one of the people that were less aghast at the OJ verdict was because I lived in LA at the time. And I, when I first came to LA, it was '92 in August. In April of '92, it was the LA riots. And one of the classes I took in uh, in law school was a, a class called Police Reform. And you know, there's this big uh, commission, uh, the, the Christopher Commission, by our former Secretary of State Warren Christopher, that really looked, delved into how bad LA uh, policing was. And one of the problems is that because LA is a large metropolitan area with a lot of square miles to patrol, um, there wasn't a lot of community policing. They were just in their cars doing drive-by policing, and it was like it was basically shoot first, ask questions later. And even the um, the incentive structures within the police force were so screwed up. So, for example, if you were hit with a, um, a police uh, a, a violence, you know, um, um, unreasonable force, whatever, that was punished with like three days of uh, you know paid leave or something like that, right? But if you smashed your patrol car, that was like a week of unpaid leave or something like that. So basically, police brutality issues were not a big deal. Other things were a much bigger deal. Um, and, and the way that um, you know settlements were paid out, um, you know, there was a big giant fund to settle police brutality cases. And at the end of the year, if you uh, didn't deplete that fund, that fund just goes back to the general city fund. Like there's no. There's no incentive to not deplete it. So you're like, okay, we have this huge fund to cover me. I don't get fired. I don't get in trouble. So I'm gonna just, you know, kick people's ass, ask questions later. Whatever I do, I keep myself safe and do the least amount that I have to do to be out there policing. Mm-hmm. It was all everything was set up wrong, and it allowed, uh, you know, especially with a with a racial dynamics, uh, economic dynamics, to really kind of brutalize this the civilian population. Uh, but even if they weren't racist, if it was just black guys policing black guys, 
it would have similar similar problems, probably not as bad, but similar problems because the incentive structures were so screwed up. Okay, so the old school is now in three parts. I think a lot of you are familiar with it already. But first part's on YouTube, it's just half an hour. Second, full hour is on podcasts. YouTube guys, we gotta let you go. We do have a lot of great things to talk about, including the worst part of Mark Furman, the biggest scandal about it. And and how local news brainwashed us all to be racist in a sense. And and I still got to finish the story about crazy eyes, dude, mm-hmm. etc. But podcast guys, you're gonna hear all that. So if you're watching on YouTube, get the free podcast. Hopefully, give it five stars if you like it, etc. And we want to watch the whole 90 minute old school or listen to it anytime you want. Tyt.com/slash/join to become a member. It helps the show. It helps the progressive movement if you're so inclined. Plus, you get all of our shows like this one. All right, let's keep going. So, um, on Mark Furman, the the most outrageous part, arguably, is so. Of course, in reality, in real life, the most outrageous parts is all the abuse, right? All the the black folks that he beat up, framed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? But what's amazing is he was hired by Fox News. Yeah, and that's right. Well, a long time later, but. No, I don't, yeah, I couldn't care. And not reformed though. Now yeah. it wasn't like, hey, Mark Furman came out and did a big mea culpa. Hey, my God, I can't believe it. I'm a new man, etc. No, they didn't hire him because he was reformed. They hired him because he wasn't reformed, right? Sure, although he <laughs> did didn't do a big mea culpa, but he claimed he was reformed. There's no evidence or proof. Of yeah, it, but, but, <laughs> I mean, but you have to do that cover. Yeah. Um, so. Look, I know we've gotten used to Fox News, and I know that there's been so many terrible things about it. But to purposely hire a guy who is one of the best known racists in the country, why is he known? He's known for being racist. It's not like he's incidentally racist. He's known for being a vicious racist that would beat up black people just because they were black, and then frame them and throw them in jail and take away their liberty. Mm-hmm. And Fox News didn't find that to be the bug, they found that to be the feature. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you want to go back and just just listen to it, it is like I said earlier. It's just so hard to even listen to. It is gruesome. Uh, like the the light in his voice as he says things about how he just you know beat up n words, and you could feel their bones crunching underneath their fists, and how their blood splatters all over you, and you just beat them until you get a confession. Like it, it's sickening. It's and Roger sickening. Ailes yeah. heard those tapes and thought, "That's my guy." Yeah. That's the guy I want to put on air as the voice of authority and why you should respect cops. The thing is, like, I think like actual racists would hear that and say, ah, that's too, he's not one of our guys. Like, he's he's crazy, right? But <laughs> he wasn't crazy enough for Fox not to hire him. Exactly. Like that's they how, made him yeah. the expert yeah. on policing. Mm-hmm. That is vomitous. Yeah, it's awful. Like for all the terrible things that Fox has done throughout the years. That to me betrays who they are. Tells you exactly who they are. Yeah, more than anything else. It's 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 like hiring John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, and being on, on childcare issues. Exactly, <laughs> part of our childcare A team, John Wayne Gacy. Uh, how many children have you eaten today, John? Okay, see, he's an expert. I don't know. If he ate them. He just raped and murdered them. Yeah, Dahmer ate them. Yes, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. To, to be fair to the killer. Let like to be fair here to serial killers. And he didn't yeah. do it as a misconception. As a clown, he was a clown. But on his his other pastime was to kill and 
raped. That's right, to be fair to clowns. <laughs> yes. He, he did not do it in his professional capacity. Right. Um, so, you know, I, um, partly throwing Steve under the bus, part obviously kidding, but about how Steve's a cop. But uh, I should be outed as well. I'm also a cop uh, because I worked as uh, in two different prosecutors' office as an intern. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, or is it hashtag Jenk is a cop, or is it hashtag Jenk is an intern? So to be fair, to be fair to me, I I I did work as a prosecutor, but I I also worked as a public defender in college as a as an intern at the Federal Public Defender's Office in D.C. So mm -hmm. both sides could yeah. find people on both sides. Yeah, <laughs> hey, both sides do it. <laughs> Speaking of Jimmy Dore, both sides do it. Both sides do it. Uh, anyway. And they were very fine people on both sides. That's right. Well, when uh, you go, when you pass away, God is going to have a tough time understanding your ledger. A little yeah. bit of this, a little bit of that. And he's like, he need, and in the OJ room, he was right in the <laughs> <laughs> He understood police abuse, but was friends with cops. <laughs> Man, that's yeah. going to take him a while. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, now uh, Eric Beiler. So, it's funny, people ask me, uh, what's your favorite interview? That you've done <coughs> thousands of interviews and of arguably, not arguably, I'm just, that's false modesty, important political figures, famous people, celebrities, whatever, right? These interesting people, athletes, stars, yada, yada. And so I'm always, I never have a good answer for it. I have to always think it through, etc. But I tell you, one of the interviews that I has stuck with me the most is the one I did with, of all people, Eric Byler, who works here. Actually, the two that always jump to mind is Eric and, and Jacori. And they were both about racial issues, mm -hmm. okay? And they're both people who worked here. So you can't give that answer if you're uh, talking to a reporter. They're like, oh, <laughs> it yeah. wasn't Bernie Sanders or Al Gore or Oliver Stone or any of those. It was, it was your photographer, your Eric Byler, right? <laughs> you know. It, that's it's not a Eric is, is both a director by the way, but was also an editor and shot uh, videos for us. But in the in media parlance, that's called a photog sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, so Eric's was stuck with me, and we did it in a post game because he said, "Look, when I he grew up in Hawaii, and he's a biracial, half Asian, half white. He is, yeah. Uh, I never knew. I thought he was totally white." Yeah, uh, well, um, Steve, you ought to be a little bit more sensitive to these issues. Okay, see, <laughs> hashtag Steve's a I don't see race, I don't see race. <laughs> so anyway, uh, he said when he got to the mainland, he was going to college, uh, a teacher, a professor asked him uh, who, uh, like something along the lines of who crosses uh, across the street when they see uh, a black guy walking down the street. Okay, so it's already a controversial, interesting conversation for a professor to have. These days, they'd probably be nervous about it, but mm -hmm. back then, they're having an interesting, open, honest conversation. And Eric, who is very progressive, thought about it, thought about it, and then raised his hand. And he said, Oh my God, I think I do that. I think that I'm a little afraid of black people. And it had not occurred to him until the professor asked him. And and then he's and then since he's progressive, he's like, wait, that's crazy. Why, right? And how did that get into my head? And then we had a conversation about how it got into his head. And his main point was local news. Yeah, sure, that that connection makes sense. Yeah, and so I hadn't thought about it that way until I talked to Eric. But coincidentally, I had just either 
I think it was right before. So right before that interview, it happened back to back, and maybe that's why it emphasizes so much in my head. I had seen the movie um, with Jake Gyllenhaal. I always forget the name of Broke it. Brokeback Mountain. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a guy who's following the crashes and uh, Nightcrawler. Yes, thank See, you. Craig knows everything. Craig's always hashtag Craig's always. Now, I want to do a, a some sort of like game show. Craig versus Edward, the two smartest people here at TYT. That's right. Well, I thought you were gonna go with Craig versus the world. <laughs> he takes on everyone else in the world. Okay, and see if he can beat him. Anyway, um, so uh, and in Nightcrawler too, that's the theme where local news they say is, look, if it's a white guy doing the crime, it's not as sensational. It doesn't get as good ratings. It doesn't scare people as much. We put a black face on the screen. And especially if he has a white victim, it scares the bejesus out of people because of the, which ironically is because of old school media in America, things like Birth of a Nation, and and that was the original first feature length film, and it was the whole movie was racist. It was about a guy in blackface going around raping white women, okay, and and how blacks were savages and animals, etc. So it's that culture that began in the South, by the way. The original cops in the South were the slave patrol, right. uh, so that connects that topic of conversation as well, and uh, and so and it would scare people and it would get higher ratings. So if they that's what they were looking for was yeah. ratings. So then they'd be like, okay, white on white crime not that interesting. Black on black crime pretty good. Black on white crime sure. excellent, right? And so they would disproportionately show those crimes on the local news. And and so Eric realized, oh my God, that's how it got into my head. The freaking media did it with the, all the assumptions and the stereotypes loaded in. And it's not just the local news; it's in the movies, in TV shows, etc. Especially back when we were growing up. Yeah, the 80s was. It happens all bad. the time. Like I live in a pretty white neighborhood, and there's like a little neighborhood council type of thing, like a little. Uh, anyway. Any kind of suspicious activity alert is when there's a black person walking down the street who people think doesn't belong there. It's, it's amazing. It, look, man, yeah. I see in in LA whenever somebody's pulled over, I always look. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say nine out of ten times, and I don't think it's an exaggeration uh, that it's someone black, and that is a stunning number given that what. How much of LA is black? Like 13%, 15%, the, the, 10%? The parts where we live, because LA is very segregated. Yeah. Parts where we live and where we eat and hang out, yeah, I would say it's definitely under 20%. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say it's gotta be eight out of 10, nine out of, yeah. not nine out of 10, because nine out of 10 sounds like an exaggeration. But I can hardly remember a white person that I've seen pulled over. No, I, so I check also. Yeah, it's, I check it's, also. It's not nine. I would. I oh, would it say, can't be obviously. Yeah, I, yeah. I would in, in my very very anecdotal, unscientific um, memory of it, I would say probably good 30, 40 percent, which is still very very high. Yeah, my number cannot obviously yeah. is not right yeah. statistically correct. Right, I'm just telling you what my experience is, yeah. and and I'm trying. Hard not to see it, right? What I mean is, like, if I see a black person pulled over as I just did the other day, I think I must have seen a white person. But every time <laughs> I'm like, I must have, but there it is again, and there it is again, yeah, and there and it is and again. You know, and you know, so, so it sucks. Um, 
I think when there's an encounter between, especially a white police officer uh, and and a black motorist, instantly there's tension. Instantly, mm-hmm. right? The black motorist thinks, "Holy shit, I might get shot and killed," mm-hmm. right? And rightfully so, they should think that. And the white cop thinks, "You know, danger, danger," right? Um, and that's that sucks because when you start there. Best case scenario is that he gets a ticket and never moves on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if it's just me, but like when I get pulled over by a cop, I see it as an opportunity to chit chat with the person and not you're get a, a weirdo t- and, yeah, not, and not get a you. ticket, right? That's weirder than my bullshit nine out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I got um, from my house. There's this left turn that you're not to make it during certain hours, but I make it all the time. And my excuse is, but I just live right here. Which is an absurd excuse. <laughs> yeah, right? It's not even yeah. an excuse. Just- and the cop says, that's not an excuse. We've got to treat everyone the same. Like, but I, I, I live right here. Right? <laughs> oh, you repeated it. Yeah. Oh, well, that's got to work. And it probably does. <laughs> yeah. But next thing you know, we're chit-chatting about how hot it is. I'm, I'm asking him, you're on a motorcycle all day. Are you properly hydrated? <laughs> oh, <laughs> God. This the guy. cop fell for it, though. But next thing you know, he's like, all right, look, I, I don't want to give you a ticket. Aren't you're a resident. But, 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 don't, but don't make that left turn. I'm like, I'm going to probably make it, honestly. Because if I don't make it, I have to do three left turns somewhere else where I can make it to make that box. And that's going to waste 15, 20 minutes. I was like, this, this rule here is not, it's not a good rule. You, you, you agree with me on that, right? It's not a good rule. He's like, yeah, you're right. It's not a good rule. Right? <laughs> okay, a conversation that a black man has never had in yeah. America. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also with a little bit, like my wife got a ticket. Because mm-hmm. when she got pulled over, she wasn't like calm and normal. And, but she was just a little bit nervous and tense. And she's like, oh, you know, like, but we live here. And this is the only way I could do it. She, she got a bit, little bit defensive. The same, largely same thing that I said. But she wasn't as chit chatty. She was more like more like defensive you know and nervous. Why? You know why? It's actually yeah. a very simple explanation: yeah. is that you made the cop empathize with you. Yeah. And so when he saw you as part of his yeah. circle, then yeah. you're okay. Yeah. Uh, whereas when they uh, oftentimes when they see African Americans, they th- see the other. That's right. Mm-hmm. And not well, in their circle. Yeah. I mean that's obvious and very 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 true. Um, but in addition to that, I think that. Um, if there's any tension, because you go into it with two strangers, one of them has a gun, okay, mm-hmm. and it's an unpleasant situation, right? Mm-hmm. At a minimum, you're going to write someone up for a very unpleasant fine and a ticket, and it, it kind of ruins your whole day, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you're starting. So if there's any escalation in tension, it could really catch fire and get out of control. And and I kid around here a little bit because you know, like my wife with the ticket, I did it, so I'm, I tell her, ha ha. I'm more charming than you, which I'm not, right? You know, you guys know my wife. She's far more charming than me. But, um, but it's such a precarious situation for black people or anyone that cops deem not safe or not trustworthy or not within their circle because any little thing that goes wrong and that, that initial level of tension just spikes and then you can't bring it back. Yeah, it's, and it's, yeah. yeah, of course, not just African Americans. Uh, Jesus, our director here. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember the story where the cop throws his keys on the other side of the highway? Yeah. He's like, he's just like, what are you doing? <laughs> what, like, am I supposed to go in the middle of the highway and get the keys? What, what did you do? <laughs> because the cop got pissed at him because of like he didn't see him as one of us. He saw them as one of them. Right. Even though Jesus actually hadn't done anything wrong. 
Uh, yeah. Unlike Steve. <laughs> but okay. I live there, I live there. Yeah, it's the world's worst excuse. Okay, uh, so Anna is uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, viewers of Old School, one of the biggest fans of Old School. So, so every once in a while she will text me, that's a Anna privilege. Okay. And so I, I do wanna get back to Crazy Eyes story, but she has insisted that you guys razz me. So <laughs> Razz you. Like the, what, the, what she was looking forward to is you guys being like, Bringing oh, shit yeah, up from the past. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dirt on Jank? Yeah, I got I got tons of that. I have heaps and mounds of that. I got you, Anna. I got you, Anna. Anna should watch the Friday postgame show. Every, yeah. yeah. Every week. <laughs> the Friday, Friday postgame with a whole segment dedicated to Dave, Malcolm, and me just talking shit about Jank. Well, Cenk. I can bring up one thing. It's not razzing you, but challenging it. But I want to say about Eric Byler. So you point him out as one of the best interview subjects you've ever had. He also has one of the best. He also conducted one of the most interesting interviews ever on yes. TIT with that guy in West Virginia. With Nick Smith. I just yeah. Uh, yeah. referenced it in the latest op-ed I had on the Hill. He, that exact interview. Yeah, uh-huh. that's right. That, that interview was awesome. He also did the interview with uh, Lawrence Walkerson, uh, Colin Powell's uh, deputy guy. Yeah, I was know about that. That was an Jenks awesome. interviewed him too. Yeah, is that but his name, Lawrence Wilkerson? Yeah, 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 it is. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, Eric was great. Uh, uh, that Nick Smith interview is the best beginning to an interview in American history. Where he goes, yeah. I ain't nothing but a white trash hillbilly from the Holland. <laughs> but here's what I know. Nah, he was super. <laughs> that guy was super smart, like super insightful. Yeah, I've yeah. always want, had him in the back of my mind as if we had more resources, tyt.com/join. Okay, uh, that's why. By the way, one of the reasons why we need membership so we could do more stuff. Yeah. I've always thought in an ideal world, Nick should have been a reporter for us. Uh, he he's a guy who uh, works at the Waffle House. You know, in Western I would love Virginia. to do a follow up with uh, to see where he's at. I'd love to know where he is too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super smart guy, and uh, in the essence of what he said, I'm paraphrasing. Was um, look, at least Trump was smart enough to lie to us uh, yeah. and give us false hope. Yeah, right. And mm-hmm. and Hillary came in here and said, no hope, no hope at all. We're gonna keep things just the way they are. Yeah. And so I was so curious as to which who Nick voted for, yeah. because he knew it was false hope, but you know he couldn't stand Hillary Clinton because she offered no hope. Yeah. So I asked Eric, if I remember correctly, to go back and find out who Nick voted for. Do you guys ever find out? I thought I, I thought he didn't vote. I thought he abstained. No, he voted. In fact, in the interview, he had a, a "I voted" sticker on his hat. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, who did he vote for? Jill Stein. And so I was like, really? A dude whose family is in coal mining, leading a strike in a Waffle House in Western Virginia, uh, calls himself a white trash hillbilly from the holler, voted for Jill Stein. (laughs) And so, look, I I don't happen to agree with that vote uh, because of what happened, obviously, in, in, in Trump getting elected. But I respect it in that he thought it through. He's not just going along for the ride. I mean, he yeah, didn't. and he didn't vote for Jill Stein. He voted for the third party candidate who was most viable, even though she's not even close to viable. She was the most viable of any third party candidate. Yeah, but the reason I say I don't agree with it is, as I said before the election, don't around. And he lives in Virginia, Western Virginia. Oh, Western Virginia. Oh, he yeah. lived in Virginia. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I thought it was West Virginia. In which case, it, it would, didn't matter. But right. Yeah. But in what in Virginia, it mattered. Yeah. Now, as it turns out, Hillary won Virginia anyway, so uh, it didn't matter. <laughs> okay, but a lot of people in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan still thought the well, same thing. Well, those votes did matter. 
Okay, so in hindsight. <laughs> yeah, no, but the point is, look, the Electoral College is so stupid. We have to kill this stupid, stupid system because why should I bother voting for the president in California? It makes zero difference for me. Yeah. None. Yeah, no, no, of course, well, we all agree that it's yeah, a stupid it's so system. so stupid, yeah. All right, back but, to razzing. Uh, <laughs> before we do the, the razzing, one last uh, uh, thing for Eric Byler. He also did an excellent, excellent documentary with his, I don't know if his wife or his girlfriend. Um, and I think he did it before he joined TYT. And he sent me a link to it. It's about the uh, anti-Mexican, anti-migrant movement in, in Northern Virginia or some part of Virginia. Uh, it happened like way early. And it was a really, I mean, he was so ahead of his time. Like everything that's happening today at the border was happening in that Virginia town. What do you mean years ago or years decades ago. ago or centuries ago? What are you no, 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 years ago. Yeah. I mean, he was there like talking to people and the, and the Republican douchebag who was really fomenting all this fear and hatred towards Mexicans, um, <clears throat> um, you know, he's now a pretty high standing member of the Republican Party. At the time, he was like a fringe candidate who barely won. But these fringe candidates who barely win then become well, that's how Dave Bratt beat Eric Cantor on the immigration issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I and I remember when um, uh, the banks. Pat Toomey um, and the banks. Yeah, he was anti-banks, which now Tucker Carlson's coming back around to. Um, I remember when uh, Pat Toomey won the seat, the Senate seat in uh, in Pennsylvania, and everybody was like, "Whoa, Pat Toomey's like a radical right winger." Now he's like. Benign, moderate, considered benign, yeah. moderate, because the spectrum has shifted so far to the right. It's insane how far right it is. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and, that ground has been well covered by TYT. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. John Baker, like, all these. Guys. Yeah. Now, like, if you're a Nazi, you're probably going to lose in a Republican primary. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's might, where we are. Well, Steve King is he a Nazi? No, he's Technically not. Technically, he's not, right? He's, he's, he's not. He's a half professed white supremacist, which is still not quite there because there are literal Nazis running right. in the Republican no, Party. I'd say if you're like a, a Franco supporter or a Mussolini supporter, you'll lose in the Republican Party. Nazis will still win. Uh huh. You think so? Yeah. yeah. Well, look, the thing is that avowed Nazis have a little harder, not a little, let's keep it real. A much harder time. I don't right? mean the avowed ones. But I mean, the, the non-avowed ones? No, yeah. oh, no, no. They're gold as long as they're not stupid enough to say it. Right. Yeah. All I know is that Trump's gonna be kicked out of office pretty soon, right, Dave? <laughs> tick, 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 tick. <laughs> That's for you, Anna. We're razzing, Jay. Tick, 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 tick. I said it again the other day on Twitter. Got a lot of retweets. It's um, great if Trump wins re-election. And then in the seventh year of his presidency, like a month before the 20, 2004 election, I'm sorry, 24. the 2024 election, uh, wait, 2020, 24. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna be like, he's gonna be gone within a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> tick, 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 tick. <laughs> and then it turns out, no, he doesn't leave office. He just he stays. So it, like, Eight then the tick, 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 tick becomes literally the worst prediction <laughs> in American history. <laughs> um, and no. I'm gonna say something that some people will find slightly outrageous, but I actually think that um, 
and a bunch of, by the way, sent a bunch of smiley faces and crying out <laughs> loud or whatever the laughing out loud, crying whatever emojis, because she, I, she's gonna win two hundred dollars yeah. when uh, Trump uh, doesn't get thrown out of office in his first term. Uh, so I, I think that if Trump wins re-election, there is some non-insignificant chance that I go to jail. Uh, so. So here's here's what I mean and how it plays out. If you think about it for a second, so he he doesn't believe in democracy. If he and Pelosi didn't and the Democrats laid down, so they said free reign, you can do whatever you want. We're never going to impeach you, right? If he gets reelected, he's going to think that's it. I'm a hundred percent above the law, and it's time to lock him up. So when he said he wanted to do a Muslim ban, he eventually did a Muslim ban, right? When he said he wanted to kick out immigrants, he's been trying to kick out immigrants. So people keep saying, ah, he doesn't mean it. You idiots, he does mean it, he does mean it. It doesn't even matter if it's political or what his motivation is for meaning it. Mm -hmm. He's actually trying to execute it. When he, when they chant lock them up, they mean it, they absolutely mean it. So. They already went to step one, they locked up Julian Assange. And the idiots in the press didn't raise much of a stink over it. Oh, they're like, oh, that's okay, he's an outsider, he's not really press. Yeah, right? and they're kind of mad at him because you know he was on Trump's side or whatever it may be. It's, it's a horrible mistake to not stand up more for Julian Assange. Yeah, if we are lucky, hopefully, I will get to go on mainstream media a little bit more in this election cycle, and I will say the most vicious things about Donald Trump because he has more than right. earned it, right? And it, and if he happens to catch me on any of those days or ten of those days, I'm gonna get under his orange skin worse than anybody's ever gotten under his skin, right? And why am I an easy target? Because the rest of the press is unlikely to stand up for me. Yeah, it's the next logical <laughs> step if you're going to lock up your political and media opponents. He keeps saying the media is the enemy of the people. They keep chant lock them up. You, if you don't think, it, and so could it not be me? Of course, I hope it's not me. Two, 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 right? Uh, could it be someone else, or is it going to be someone? And my answer to that is yes. They're definitely going to start locking people up from the media. Now, when people, I say that now, I swear to you, everybody in the media they think they get it and they think they were tough on Trump, etc. But I guarantee you, they're like, no, no, he's not gonna do that. And so, every time you say that, you're goddamn wrong. He will do it. And, so so yeah. here's a problem with the impeachment issue. So if, if the Democrats are saying, <clears throat> we don't wanna do the impeachment because it's not politically expedient, that's a, that's a real problem. Because one, you're conceding you're using impeachment for political expediency. So the next time when you actually do do impeachment, then people went turn and say, well, you're just doing it for politics. Because you told me it was all about politics. You, just, you, just, you said a couple months ago that you weren't gonna do it because it was not politically expedient. Now it must be, how convenient for you, right? So now you've given up that impeachment chip forever. Because you can never, you can never impeach. Because the next time you impeach, you're admitting it's for political purposes. Nancy Pelosi doesn't realize the damage she's done to herself. Uh, she's, because the press, 24/7 kisses her ass and constantly when I did research on my article on Nancy Pelosi's not a progressive that was also an op-ed in the hill I went back and looked at I was like I have this rough sense because I read the news every day 
that the press has been fawning over Nancy Pelosi. But let me go back and research it because maybe I remember it wrong. Maybe I think it's nine out of 10 when it's three out of 10, right? Mm -hmm. I went back, Oh my God, it was worse than I realized. I mean, you can, I couldn't believe the things they were saying. The most amazing legislator you have ever seen. What an unbelievable hero. And these are like straight journalists, some columnists mixed in, right? But like fawning beyond all imagination over Nancy Pelosi and almost nothing critical. So she thinks that she walks on water because that's what everybody in the media tells her nonstop. So she's just going around going, no, I'm not gonna impeach him. What are you gonna do about it, right? Hey, I raise money. I raise money from Trump. I don't care. I raise money. I was on San Francisco radio this morning. Mark Thompson has a show on San Francisco radio on KGO. You should check him out in the mornings. And uh, callers, I start uh, you know going after Nancy Pelosi. I'm waiting for blowback, right? Nope. Callers mm -hmm. are like, he's right. I've had enough of Pelosi. What the hell? Why isn't she doing something? Like she doesn't realize she like she she went too far. And people are pissed. And so I don't know that means she's gonna lose a race. That seems pretty hard. Although I interviewed her opponent today on the Young Turks, Shahid Buttar and Shahid for Change. And he's a really amazing guy. He fought for a marriage equality in the courts. He went to Stanford Law. He's been a civil rights activist and lawyer for a long time, fought for all the different races and in all these trials, etc. Sounds like a radical leftist. In other words, everybody in San Francisco agrees with them, right. <laughs> right? And they have no idea how conservative Nancy Pelosi is because the press never talks about it. Uh, they do the opposite. But now they, she opened the door and people are like, whoa, why is she helping Trump? That's so weird. And so I, I don't know what the ramifications of that are. I do know, like, but her even if she doesn't lose her race, which is, of course, still unlikely because she has such an unbelievable advantage. Yeah. Uh, but. Does she lose her leadership position? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Look, That's a different her thing. actions to me are entirely consistent with everything she stands for and everything that the Democratic Party stands for. They're not about winning, right? They're not about winning. They're they're about a couple of things: fundraising for sure, and she's master fundraiser. So already, that's more than half of her job, right? The other thing that they do is they like decorum and civility. Even with racist, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they don't want people to rock the boat. Just maintain status quo. Keep bringing the money in. And impeachment is by definition rocking the boat. They want. They don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, yeah. No. So, so they're not going to do it. They're yeah. not going to do it. And they've given away that chip. So impeachment is off the table. So it doesn't matter. Trump. If I were Trump, I would be like, I won. I'm going to do whatever I want to do because they can't kick me out. It's just mm -hmm. too late. Yeah, and look. And by I mean, the way, impeachment—the time, the clock is running out on, on impeachment. So theoretically, I think the Democrats are investigating or whatever that they're, that they're doing. They're bringing Hope Hicks because what? She's going to give them the goods. It's ridiculous. But if they wait any longer, it gets too close to the election. Then it looks totally political, right? Now they're the worst. They're yeah, the goddamn but worst. So, they're not so, planning to wait longer than do it. They're planning to not. They're going to do it right now or not do it at all. I know. Right. So, you know, Richard Neal, he's the head of the House Ways and Means Committee. So, arguably the second most powerful Democrat in, mm -hmm. in the House. Because, yeah, you've got leadership, mm -hmm. but Ways and Means, the most important committee, controls the money. 
so he's the only one that can ask for Trump's tax returns. Mm -hmm. So he took forever in asking. Finally, he asked because there was so much pressure and there was talk of him getting primaried, etc. So he's like, God damn it, fine, I'll investigate him a tiny bit, right? Mm -hmm. And so then New York passed a law saying you can get estate tax returns anytime you want. Mm -hmm. And he's like, nope, but I don't he want. He doesn't them. ask for. What do you mean you don't want him? What what is? But that's not impeachment. Like, why wouldn't you get his tax returns to see if he's done something criminal? It's unbelievable. Because they, they don't rock the boat. And, no, I can't. And, well, because if he did something criminal, yeah. there'll be more pressure to that's impeach right. him, and that's what they don't. And want to and, do. and with, with Trump in office, cowards. It's easier to fundraise. Cowards, 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 cowards. Okay. So, last political thing uh, is that. Um, so, look. Meanwhile. The federal investigators have now asked Deutsche Bank for more information on potential money laundering for both the Russians and Kushner and Trump. So I will tell you this. If take the take take. No. No, no. Okay, listen, listen. If if they somehow get him before because the Democrats are never gonna do it, right? But if prosecutors, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, right? Yeah. If they get him before the end of this term. The victory lap that I would take would break every record known to man. Like if you thought Michael Tracy was a little unbearable after the Mueller report didn't really come out, but Barr's summary of it came out, and he thought it proved that he was right, and he he went on Twitter and took a lap, right? I mean, he took a couple of laps, and bless his heart, and I had debated him, and it's it's all good, not fun, but good spirited debate, etc., right? But that if I am right on Trump money laundering and then he leaves before this term is out when no one thinks so, oh my God, you will not be able to fit my head into this room. So I was totally rooting for Anna. <laughs> I was rooting for Anna to beat you in the arm wrestling, uh, in the in the push-ups. I was rooting for Anna to beat you in the squat. Uh -huh. I don't think she could beat you in the sumo. That's ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> and I was. Rooting for you and Anna, but you guys sucked. Yeah, we were uh, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the trivia game, that was sad and pathetic. Terrible strategizing, <laughs> terrible. Um, but I am rooting for you on this one, oh, right? I, I, I don't want you to lose a two hundred bucks to Anna. Yeah, but if you but if you but if you win, you should just pair anyway. <laughs> no, why the hell would I do that? <laughs> That's a hell to the no. Okay. Um, but I but yes, I want you to win that bet. Yeah, well, first of all, the whole country should want me, not the yeah. whole country, but a big part of the country should want right. me to win that bet. But plus, my victory lap will be fun. It'll be fun. <laughs> okay, uh, speaking of fun, we still haven't finished the crazy eye story. <laughs> uh, podcast, I love you guys. Uh, but you could watch live too, and you could watch. So tyt.com slash join, become a member. Uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast. We really want you to get a full experience on the podcast. But come join us at, uh, for TYT membership. Get the whole Young Turks to tyt.com slash join. Thanks for listening to this free clip of Old School. To get the full episodes and more exclusive content, become a TYT member today. You'll love it. Join now at tyt.com slash join.